Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another edition of That's Entertaining. This month, Star Wars is back in the theaters. And to join me discussing Solo, a Star Wars story, is one Mr. Lucas Rose. Welcome to the program, good sir. This is your first time. It is. It is. Um, and we haven't talked in a while, I feel. So it's, it's good to be here. Back among friends, as it were. Exactly. It's it's good to be here not doing a solo show. Oh, yes. I suspect you had a hard time finding anyone who actually <laughs> saw this movie. I mean, I have been. Yeah, I mean, it's one of those things where... So let, we'll just get into it, obviously. With with the the reception and everything that you've seen on online and just with people and talking to people in general, there hasn't been any buzz at all around this movie. No. Um, people online are not even talking about how they've seen it or not. It's not trended or anything. Uh, not like you would typically expect from a Star Wars movie, like we got from The Last Jedi, like we've gotten from Rogue One even. Um, what about you? Have you? You said you had some issues finding people that have seen it so far? Yeah, uh, other than, you know, I, I, I think Jason has seen it mm-hmm. by now, but, uh, he, you know, by no means did he go and see it opening night as you as he would typically uh star wars movie and then uh any of my other film friends didn't really seem like they were you know at least gonna go see it in on the opening weekend so mm-hmm. i just felt like i went we my wife and i went and watched it on friday and uh that was that like nobody was talking about it and although i kind of felt that way about deadpool too i feel like we're living in a post um Avengers and Infinity War world where everyone talked about that and now they're just like, all right, I guess I'll go see some other movies and that'll <laughs> right. be that. Yeah, I mean, obviously Avengers just hit a little bit ago and it was big and um, everybody was out to see that movie and everybody was talking about that. It was definitely trending everywhere. But like with with this, yeah, not so much. I've seen more trending, I think, with Deadpool than even with Solo. But what was interesting to me, you said that even your filmmaker friends haven't seen Solo yet, which this movie, you know, they probably are aware of the background of the change of directors, all the different writers and everything. Yes. I think from purely academic reasons, they would want to go and see this. Well, yeah, I mean, it definitely knowing, like you said, the background of, of what's going on, it is it is kind of a. Um, like a workshop film, it seems like, because mm-hmm. you, you learn so much about what happened and how it came to be and changing, like you said, changing directors and having the, your main actor go through acting lessons, which <laughs> seems like a really bad sign. And you would think that curiosity would pique your interest, but uh, let alone it being a star Wars movie. But I don't know, that doesn't seem to be the case. And, and like I said, I feel like nobody's really, t- I feel like more people are talking about boycotting the movie than actually going to see it and then talking <laughs> about it afterwards. So at uh-huh. least that's been what I've seen 
on the surface. So yeah, and we have in our little circle too. We have our little uh, PSVG Discord channel. We have a Star Wars spoiler section now, and for a while it's just been you and me in there. Yeah. <laughs> And it felt like there wasn't really much to say because even though it was the spoilers channel, it was just kind of like, it's like when you see somebody in the hallway and you know, they're thinking the exact same thing and you're like, <laughs> you give them a look like, yeah, we'll nod. And the other person's like, yeah, I know what you're talking about, dude. Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah, that thing. And you're like, oh yeah, that thing. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so let's get into those things then, shall we? Sure. With, with Star Wars, a solo story directed finally by Ron Howard. <laughs> Yes. Um, And who was it was Lord and Miller that were going to direct it initially that started shooting, right? Gosh, you know what? I don't I don't recall because my my fervor for this movie was quite lukewarm. So it was just kind of like I remember reading the things about the movie, but then it just kind of went one, you know, in one way and out the other as far as retaining the information goes. So Mm -hmm. I will not be much help on that front, unfortunately. Uh, so that it was Lord Miller that were initially signed on to direct this, that Kathleen Kennedy saw a cut of the movie and decided this is not the vision that she had intended for solo. And then she fired them and then later brought in Ron Howard yes. um, to direct it, which to me, Ron Howard is an odd, odd choice. I mean, not a bad choice by any means, but I would have thought of Ron Howard as my first choice. Who would you have hired, uh, to, to save the solo movie? Oh God, that's a good question. Um, who did the? Uh, I always forget his name. Who did um, Black Panther? <laughs> Although I don't think that would be a heavy workload for him. Yeah, Wakai, I mean, he was Wakai, working more. He was working on a, a better picture uh, this whole time, so he was needing to focus on there anyway. Yeah, he's <laughs> like they would have had to beg him. I, you know, I don't know. That's a good question because it is such an odd. I don't know why, and maybe we'll talk about this more later, but I don't know why everyone was so accepting of, like, Rogue One. Mm-hmm. But then, like, this feels like the redheaded stepchild of of the franchise for some reason mm-hmm. as a whole. And so, like, again, I don't feel like anyone really was giving it all the attention it deserved or or anything. Like, the, the pedigree of Star Wars didn't seem to followed with this movie all of a sudden everyone felt like it was like a cash grab or something like that so it's hard to say whether or not like a director would have changed a different director would have changed any of that Mm -hmm. uh, perspective that anyone had i think that if you were to take and put any sort of if you could say any director i want you to direct this movie and they would do it to me i think the best case scenario would have been christopher nolan uh, to put some sort of like an inception spin on the heist, I think that'd be pretty cool. Mm, yeah, but I think no, like even if you got Nolan, even if you got uh, uh, James Cameron or something like that to direct this movie, I don't think anybody would have been jazzed about it per se because it's the subject matter at the end of the day, right? And this is the movie that nobody has asked for or nobody really wants. It seems that seems to be the the case going into this movie, you know, with the discussions around it when it was being made everybody was like solo i don't want to hear about solo at least i was i'll be honest i was part of that crowd that said i didn't want to hear solo stories i want to hear something else tell me something more interesting um but what about you what was your your take on on the announcement of solo coming out 
Uh, oh, of course. I mean, I was confused at first. And I'm not really sure why, because when I hear about, uh, you know, like the Star Wars Expanded Universe novels or uh, which, of course, you know, aren't really. What do they call it now? It's not really. Ex- yeah. Um, or even the comic books when they kind of did spinoffs where it was like six, six issues of uh, Princess Leia story. I never went. Oh boy, there's a cash grab or, you know, that's not a story I need to hear. I went, Oh, okay. Yeah, that seems cool. I'll check it out. Mm -hmm. It's more accepting (laughs) because it's in a comic form though, I think. Right. Yeah, I guess so. I mean, you're, you're not having to devote two, two and a half hours of your life to, and you know, untold amounts of money to go and, uh, and experience a story on a, on the comic book page. But when it comes to movies, people are a, l- a lot less forgiving. So for me, I was just kind of ambivalent towards the whole thing. I was, I was curious to see, and I did talk about what my expectations were as they, as the day came near. Um, I was just kind of hoping for a decent story. And quite honestly, the thing that has always attracted me to star Wars, uh, was more of the world, more of the lore. And I think that sometimes, um, you don't get as much of a glimpse of that as, as I personally would want to see. Um, and so I was kind of thinking, all right, so you have like this, 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 uh, street urchin type story mm-hmm. and, uh, maybe we'll get into the nitty gritty of some, you know, um, cause it, we've seen enough desert worlds where right. it's just kind of, you know, sort of a bland, sandy landscape Although give we, me some dirt dark dirty streets like in rogue one uh-huh. you know we couldn't quite get away from the sandy worlds here could we Get no close. no unfortunately well i mean i give it a pass here because you know they don't spend that much time it's it's not as much time um and it's definitely not what i would consider a hero world i uh-huh. guess um so i kind of I kind of was like, okay, this one I'll give a pass to just because we don't we don't spend so much time here. But that's kind of what I was hoping for was just, you know, show me show me some of the stuff that gets cut out of the main movies and put it in here. Some of the more wild ideas so that because if you're familiar with the Star Wars universe, as far as uh, the role playing games go or the comic book universe and everything there, you know, sky's the limit. Mm -hmm. So. Give me some of that. I, w- I want to see some more of that Star Wars magic. As do I. But I I did... So with this movie, you, you said that this is the the red-headed stepchild kind of compared to Rogue One and the rest of them. You didn't just say that because Ron Howard's directing, did you? <laughs> That's exactly why. And his his brother being there, too. Yeah, the, exactly. Both of them, the pair. So, yes. <laughs> I With this movie, casting... A young Harrison Ford is just impossible. Like he is, right? he is Isn't such a though? legendary like figure icon that if you try to do a young Harrison Ford, and this is that's what this movie's all about. For me, you have a harder sell because I just he is of all the actors and like iconic characters that I grew up with as a child. He is like number one on my list as far as, you know, Indiana Jones on Solo. He uh, was also Jack Ryan, um, you know, Air Force One, get off, my, get off my plane. You know, the, right. 
he is a fantastic actor, and I saw everything that he made pretty much when I was growing up as a kid. You know, Jack, um, not Jack. What was his name in Blade Runner? Uh, Deckard. Deckard, yeah. So, I mean, all these iconic characters he plays, and you have this new kid that I've never seen before in anything. Yes, that's look, part of the problem, too, yeah, I think. Doesn't look anything, in my opinion, like Harrison Ford in the 70s. Um, or now for that matter. Um, and he doesn't have like the voice is just not right. Not so, even close. Those are the things I'm looking at in these trailers before even going to the movie. And I'm like, Oh my God, I, I don't, but yeah, you know, but wouldn't it, I mean, you're kind of stuck at least like from a di- directorial standpoint, do you go for the, fill in you know just try to be harrison ford or do you go in a completely different direction and just try to separate the character from the actor so that you can we can all just move on and to me it's like they tried to do the best of both worlds and neither of it worked Hmm. um i don't know how i would have felt if they didn't even try to be harrison ford-esque but I feel like there's just enough here to be able to to tell that that's what they were going for, that it seems like it fails on on both ends of that spectrum. Yeah. I mean, you could tell that he tried to take the mannerisms of Harrison and some other oh, stuff. Oh, for sure. Him, but it the just gun. never felt – yeah, exactly. It never felt quite real. With with Harrison's, it always just felt natural, right? And yeah. And for, for this guy, it feels like he's forcing it every now and then. Um so I just it doesn't feel that like that natural quality that you would expect to come across a screen, but charismatic. Exactly. You know, I feel like he's 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 lacking in that mm-hmm. category. Now, what I would have done is if we had to absolutely do a solo movie, was film it all from the perspective of Han Solo. He never talks. <laughs> you never see him <laughs> on the screen, but you see all the ancillary characters. <laughs> he's just a like that, ride. It's like that uh, hardcore Henry or whatever. Exactly. Yeah. Just Never make did that see the that. Star Wars solo story, and I'd be fine with that. But I don't think the general public would be ready for that quite yet. <laughs> make it put it make it a VR exclusive too, and and just really go for go for broke on that one. Right. So for me, uh, talking about this movie as a whole, the thing that doesn't work, and I'll, let's just get you know the elephant in the room. The thing that doesn't work for me is the Han solo character casting. That's it. Um, the writing for Han was fine. So the the lines that he delivered, I I liked. I thought they were fine. Um, yeah. But the casting and just the mannerisms and the execution of Han, to me, doesn't quite doesn't quite work. And I was able to luckily look past it because once you get past that, there's a lot to like in this movie. Yes, I would agree. For instance, Donald Glover as Lando Calrissian. Oh my gosh, that's a perfect. let's see antithesis i guess of why um gosh i always forget his name whoever plays the han solo character in this movie like why he is not that great because those two characters play off one another and they are very similar um in their you know uh their happy-go-lucky mannerisms yeah like their scandalous ways you know they're they're uh scoundrel that's that's the word i was looking for you know they're yeah uh harrison ford has like that that lazy grin that sly smile that 
he just kind of, he can put that in just about any scene and you're just like, that's Han Solo right there. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? He just says anything with a cocky grin and, and that's Han Solo. And, and that's lacking. Whereas with, with Donald Glover and Lando, like he has the swagger, like all the way Mm -hmm. he sells that character. 100%. Oh, for sure. I, the, the scenes where he's introduced, like the way he's sitting, it all just fits for Lando to me. Like what we've seen of him from the movies and from the, the Rebels TV show. Um, it was really, really well done for, for Donald Glover's part. Uh, especially the one line that he gave was like, I don't agree with it. I don't like it, <laughs> but I don't accept it. You know, that was yeah. really like he just did such a good job in his line deliveries. Yeah, and it's it really is kind of too bad because then you just look at the what what uh, man I I need to know his, if I don't know his name it's gonna bug me. Alden. What's his name? Elden. Al- Elden. Alden. Elden Reich. Alden. Alden. Rinreich. And Ali. I'm gonna call him Ali. Call him Al. All his friends call him Al, and you know, I could. I mean, we're friends, I guess. And I. I've seen him in his one movie um, that I know of anyways. Yeah, it's just why? What a weird decision, right? Mm-hmm. You know, like why force it if it's not working? Mm-hmm. It's... Does, is, does his uncle work for Disney or something? Like <laughs> could they not just say, you know, this isn't working out. Somebody made, somebody made a terrible mistake down the line. Let's, let's get somebody else in here. I mean he... – I don't know. I mean, I think it was just they had to save face with the casting. That's what they brought in the casting, uh, you know, uh, not the casting, the acting coach and everything like that, just to kind of maybe see if they could salvage what they have with this person. But I would yeah. have probably recast him. Um, I just, he, he just doesn't have the swagger, you know, he just, he just doesn't have the solo, which again, does anybody, could anybody pull this off? That's, that's the bigger question probably here is, you know, we're looking at what they gave us um, and what these casting directors and everybody who's in Hollywood have seen. And was there anything, is there another better option out there? The only option I can think of that I liked better as a young Harrison Ford portrayal, and it was literally just that, was in The Age of Adeline. Uh, it's a movie that Harrison Ford was in a little little while back where it does some time jumping. And so there, okay. there's a young Harrison Ford in there. And that guy that scene you should youtube the age of adeline the young harrison ford character whatever his name was he did a fantastic job uh and i bought that that was a young harrison right why they couldn't have gotten that guy to do this or you know whether they did and it just didn't work out or whatever it was maybe he was just doing an impersonation the whole time because he wasn't in that movie for very long there's there's a lot of different reasons right but ah, i don't know i Again, that is the one thing about this movie that, to me, is holding it back from being really, really great, is just this casting of Han. And I think, unfortunately, that this is something that we're going to have to live with as far as if they bring Han back in, in uh, another movie. Don't say it. Be still, my beating heart. Do not tell me that they bring him back. for. Yeah, I mean, you're right, though. Like, what else are you going to do? You you made your bed, now you have to lay in it. I'm... I that's why I say I think it would almost have been better just to find somebody who can play the character of Han Solo as a different person who's not Harrison Ford. You can have swagger without being Harrison Ford. Look, I mean, Lando Calrissian. Hello. Mm-hmm. Give me 
give me like, um, I don't know, Chris Evans. I'd say he has swagger. Mm-hmm. He's too, he's too, I mean, obviously not him, but there's a character that could possibly do it. You know, it, I don't know. There's just, it's got to look effortless. Mm-hmm. That's the problem. It doesn't, it, it has to look effortless and they have, they have casted this man, this, this Al, and now we have to live with it. This Al. I don't like it. I don't like it. I don't agree with it. <laughs> but you and accept I, it. But I, I have to accept it. I mean, I don't have a choice. All right. Uh, Let, let's let's move past the casting of Han now. now okay. We, so we talked about what we like Donald Glover. I also thought that uh, Amelia Clark's Kira was actually a pretty interesting character as well. Yes. I feel like that whole that whole story, as somebody who read uh, at least the Han Solo trilogy from the original Star Wars novels, that's kind of been the crux of his character. And obviously you get that from uh, Harrison Ford, Han Solo in the uh, original movies. So there's got to be a woman involved, right? Mm-hmm. And sure. I think she does a great job. I think you're right. Like, especially given the the. I mean, I wouldn't say they're really that romantic during most of the movie, like they are definitely doing things together. But as far as romantic scenes go, there aren't really that that many. Mm. Um, But given that, I feel like she definitely was much more likable in in any scene when you when you put them put her next to Al. So yeah, I thought she did a good job. And of course, you know, first you, you see her in the trailers and whatnot and you think, Oh, it's the girl from game of Thrones. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like how, how is that going to work? But, uh, I think she pulled it off. She is the, the queen of Falcons. <laughs> yes. Yes, exactly. Um, <laughs> or no mother of Falcons. There you go. Mother. Yes. Mother queen of, um, you know what? I'm not. I'm just gonna let that joke fly. <laughs> <laughs> this is a family-friendly show. We yes, I was. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I was warned before I came on. Um, but regardless, though, her her character was interesting. I thought that as as the movie went along, we got more with her too, which we'll discuss here in a little bit. But another uh, couple pieces of casting that I wanted to just talk about real quick. One of them. Uh, this is more of a. So. You know, in, in Rogue One, we got the my favorite character, at least, was K2SO. It was fantastic. Mm-hmm. Uh, a new droid. And here we have another new droid that we were introduced to in L3... L3-37. Yeah. Everybody just calls her L3. Uh, voiced by Phoebe Waller-Bridge. That was a pretty cool character. Um, as far as... You know, her her talking to the robots and, you know, leading the robot revolution and all this other stuff. And and then her ended up being, like, you know, killed in a way, but then brought into the Falcon that made that more of a an impactful thing, you know, later on yeah. in the movies, the rest of the... Because that ship has a characteristic to it that's undeniable, right? And this, adding that layer into everything else that you ever see the Falcon do in the future is really, really cool. Well, and it, it kind of explains why it feels like the Millennium Falcon is a character as opposed to just a ship. Um, I did find it interesting that, I mean, she's, first of all, I think the droid design is really cool. 
It is unfortunate. I mean, we always talk about you go, you make movies that happened before the original trilogy and you, you're like, well, why don't I ever see this droid ever again? You know, that whole thing. But that aside, I think this, the design for this droid is interesting, like very interesting. It's bipedal. Mm-hmm. Um, it almost looks like they took a design from one of the, like one of the movies and then scaled it back or like changed it, but kept some of the parts that you would see on other droids. You know, it didn't look like it stood out, um, as much as I, I feel like the droid in, in rogue one, uh, I don't know. There was a, there was something about that design that, um, I didn't feel like it was based in star Wars as much. I didn't really give it, it didn't stick out to me. It just, I don't know. It felt completely new, I guess. Whereas this one kind of feels to me, at least a little bit more like it was inspired by some of the other stuff that you see, but to give her like this weird, well, I don't want to say weird, but to give her like a teenager, a teenage girl's personality, I feel like, or at least a, uh, early, early twenties personality with this rebellious nature and, and whatnot is, is kind of brilliant to me. You know what I mean? We don't see a lot of droids with personality like that. Many of them don't really even talk. And if they do, it's this monotonous robot voice that you you would assume would. That's what a robot would sound like. Mm-hmm. But here. With with the droids that have personality, they really do become a character, which is always interesting to me because. I I guess it's always assumed in movies that humans would treat robots like garbage, <laughs> right. no no matter how human they were, mm-hmm. and so I find that oftentimes the opposite effect happens whenever you, um, whenever you put human qualities onto uh, an android or a robot or whatever, and I feel like one of the most emotional scenes of the movie happens with this, with L three. Mm-hmm. Oh, I definitely agree. Um, okay, so let's let's go past L three now. And there's one more bit of casting that I wasn't sure about going in, uh, and that is Woody Harrelson, uh, his his character. Yeah. And I wasn't sure because it is Woody Harrelson. Like you don't see anybody else typically when you look at that character, right? But he's also one of those people yeah. who can be pretty shifty, and you don't really. You don't you don't really know if he's altruistic or not. You kind of assume that he's going to double crash you later on, just because that's what he always does in his movies. It seems, but yeah, um, I thought his character was pretty interesting as far as kind of a mentor slash um, icon that Han Solo had when he was you know developing his in his younger years. Granted. Uh, he wasn't around him for long in this movie, but he definitely played an impactful part that you can tell he picks up on. Uh, oh, for sure. What What'd you think about this character? You know, I kind of had the same feelings. I, I wondered again, just like with Emilio Clark, what you, you he's almost a character actor, so you kind of feel like you know what you're getting. And I do think they played on that expectation a little bit by showing his, his the side of him, his character back at when he's around his crew, um, you know, it's very presented as very family oriented. Uh, the crew is family sort of thing. And I did find it 
interesting that he they would use him as kind of an inspiration as to why Han Solo is the way he is. I mean, you see him you see him shooting with double blasters or whatever. And you can tell like Han Solo's just thinking to himself, I want to be like that guy. How do how do I get closer to that guy so that I can learn? Uh, And I think that's important. I mean, there's always a mentor character in Star Wars. And I think in a in a movie like this, there there are things that need to carry over. And I, I and I'm glad that's one of them because it kind of grounds the character of Han Solo in a relatable way, which is really what they need mm-hmm. um, for for that. Um, because of course we all have these expectations. Uh, we all think we kind of know his story. Uh, even though we've never, you know, it's Han Solo's origin story for the most part. Um, But you need those other characters for him to reflect off. And I think that a mentor always helps with that because it shows uh, you need a character arc. You need growth and and learning. And uh, I think given the the reach of this movie, what they tried to do, I think that was a succinct and and fairly... uh, quick and dirty way of doing it. You know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. it serves its purpose. It shows us a little bit of why he is the way he is. And, um, I think it was, uh, I think it was a safe move maybe, but it was a smart one, uh, to present, to get a character or to get an actor who can play this character that we kind of already are presuming that we know, sort of who this is just based on the person who's playing that character. Right. That's meta. I kind of bringing that meta into it though. And you know, Mm -hmm. uh, when you're, when you have a actor that's typically cast as one particular role and then you see him cast in this role and like, Oh, well I guess this is probably what we're going to see from him. One of those meta things, right. That you bring into it that the movie doesn't really get a chance to tell you the story. You just, you see it. And you're like, oh, this guy's going to be bad. This guy's going to do this, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me. So, this movie starts out in Corellia. We get to see Han Solo racing around in one of these speeders that he has stolen uh, to, you know, bring back to his... What is it? His, is he living there in that... In that slum area with with Kira, are they like living there together as part of this? Are they captured like these kids? The, what's I, up here? I, I, I'm yeah. I think they're part of that um, the underworld that is uh, ran by Lady Proxima. Mm. Um, because my guess would be that they're on the older scale of the age range of all these kids and people that are in this underworld but at the very least it's it's her court and they are you know pawns in it they're i doubt they're the lowest of the low but they're definitely caught up in her schemes Mm -hmm. just as a way to survive uh and so i i get that whole like we want to leave our terrible life vibe from them and that's kind of their goal mm-hmm. so that would be my best guess is to say that uh, because like you said it, it doesn't seem to be very clear that uh what the exact relationship there is but if i had to guess they were both under lady proxima's 
thumb for lack of a better mm. <laughs> whatever whatever appendages she happens to to possess they're underneath it so mm-hmm. probably not a great life to live i mean if you're gonna steal you might as well be stealing for yourself not for other people right uh so they steal the speeder she or han goes to get kira they try to get out there but he gets caught and is brought before lady proxima uh he throws a thermal detonator quote unquote um <laughs> at the uh at a window just a rock obviously and this lady proxima is has some sort of issue with sunlight so i was thinking bef- to myself before that it's like man this scene is really dark like it was hard to make out oh it was bad yeah someone said what was going on i was like it was really like blue and dark and i was like this this can't be a direction choice all right this has to be like something else and then after that light comes through we can kind of understand okay this is just the um the theme or the aesthetic of this particular area because of that um which that made sense to me because after that you know lightened up there I feel like the movie never got quite as dark or unperceptible as it did in that particular scene. Yes. Yes. I actually remember thinking when it, cause it pretty much starts out that way. It's fairly dark, even though they're outside, but it gets, like you said, it gets much worse when they go underground or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I I'm fine with that. As long as there's a, um, a story reason behind it. Um, as long as it makes sense, Mm-hmm. Exactly. Um, and it, it, it was kind of odd at first to, to think, man, this is really dark. Cause you don't normally, um, <laughs> you wouldn't normally think of darkness when you think of, uh, of a star Wars movie. At least I don't not something where they would play with light and dark in that manner. Because when that, when he broke that window with that rock, it was pretty dang bright as far as like, as it hurt my eyes a little bit. I'm like, <laughs> ah, cause you're, you're focusing so hard trying to. Like and they know uh, they know you are because they use a lot of those shots where the the background is lit and you just see silhouettes of of characters. Mm-hmm. They do a lot of that in the um, the hallways and stuff. Right. And so, you know, you're you're in there. You're under underground for a good 10 minutes or so. And then or at least seeing dark images. And then all of a sudden that happens. So I I appreciate it as long as it's uh, within the context of the story. Mm-hmm. Then then I didn't think about it. I didn't like. I didn't have that complaint after it worked out from a story perspective, like you said. It, right. it just kind of clicks. Did you get the sense when in this, these early scenes here, when Han is driving the speeder, when they were doing close-up shots of his face, did you ever get a feeling like they superimposed like a young Han, like Harrison Ford, in with his face, like just for a split second? Because I felt like they did something like that. You, normally I'm kind of, um, uh, sensitive to that kind of thing, but I didn't, I don't remember feeling that way. I do think it looked a little bit weird. Um, honestly, I kind of felt like the way that that was shot and the way that the, the, the speeder kind of maneuvered in general was a little bit meh, not like it looked bad. It just didn't look I don't know. It didn't look as speedy and clean as, <laughs> as I would have expected, I guess not clean in the sense that it was dirty, but clean in the sense that like you felt like they were going fast. Right. Um, but no, I never did get the sense that there was something, some kind of weird CGI trickery going on there. 
Okay. Might have been just me, but I really... When he's driving the speeder by himself and they got the close-up shots and when he's with Kira after they escape Proxima, I also kind of got that feeling like they did something with his face to make it kind of echo a young Harrison Ford there just to kind of maybe bring that call back. I like don't know. touched up a little bit or yeah, something? Yeah, it felt... It looked to me, and again, this was just for a split second, like they did something to maybe make your mind think, like, hey, this is Han. It's okay. Um, I don't know. Mm. Just, I wonder if anybody else, dear listener, if you are if you had that thought, tweet us, let us know. I'd be curious to know. At Voice by Nathan. Ha, ha, ha. Um, okay, so let's continue on. They get into this checkpoint area. So, evidently, the Empire does control this world. This is cool because... This is the first time we're kind of seeing what it's like to live on an Imperial world. Uh, yeah. What's happening. Um, but the Empire doesn't care until you get into the base, it seems. Right? Uh, so you're in that, that checkpoint, that base or whatever. And you have this like, gatekeeper, we'll call her, that you wanted to bribe to try to get through. But you saw the Empire just like taking these people left and right out of the lines for various reasons. Uh, very reminiscent of my journeys through the TSA at times. <laughs> but uh, at the end of the day, we get to this part where they're up there. They're trying to escape. They're trying to bribe this official with... Uh, was it was that one of those uh, fuel cores that they had there? Was that what that was or was it something else? Yeah. No, it was the fuel core. It was like a smaller... It was like one... You know how they had the giant tubes? It was like one of the things that are in the giant tubes. And it, the giant tubes have like nine or whatever of those little ones in there. Gotcha. So I thought that was similar to what we saw in the, in the future, but I wasn't hundred percent sure. Um, so as we expected probably to happen here, uh, the two were split up. Han is able to make it out. Whereas Kira is caught and, uh, we get past that scene there. Han decides to go enlist in the empire to get off the, the planet to try to be a pilot and, you know, come back at some point to save Kira. What did you think of the scene at, at the um, the checkpoint and then what happens next for Han? I liked the scene at the checkpoint. Um, I felt like it, it gave it some much-needed um, uncertainty. Up until that point, you just kind of feel like things are kind of unfolding ahead of you. There's no, like, uh, test that they have to endure. You know what I mean? Um, and it, so it was kind of nice to see something that wasn't just running or talking or, well, not talking your way out of it, but, um, being a little bit more active in your, in their decision. Um, so I kind of, I thought that was kind of interesting anyway, uh, gave the, the plot a much needed, like, okay, here we go. I feel like we're, we're, we're going to leave this behind. We're going to, we're kicking off. Um, and we certainly did do that because <laughs> mm-hmm. obviously, you know, like you said, they get, they get split up. I thought that was all fine. Um, I thought it played out well enough. I could see it. I could have seen it gone going either way. The fact that she gets grabbed just as they're crossing the border or crossing the, the threshold, so to speak. Uh, mm. Mm, I felt like that was a little bit lazy. You know, they're already aware that that's what's happening. So, I kind of felt like that could have been handled a little bit, a little bit better. And then the whole wanting to become a pilot thing, I felt, I felt like they, 
knew that that's kind of what the story was for him anyway. So they just kind of had to figure out how to make that work. I, it didn't feel like a natural fit to me. I, I don't know why he would, I understand that he wants to become a pilot, but in a world where piloting a, a ship seems about as common as driving a vehicle is today. Mm-hmm. I don't know why that would be your first maneuver. Um, I, I don't have a problem that it happened. I just feel like it could have been explained why he feels like he would want to sign up for the, for, um, the empire. You know what I mean? He doesn't seem like a character that takes sides. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, it makes for a funny little aside, you know, we get to see how, how he gets his name and everything. And which do you like that? Did you, I don't know. I, I feel like that this movie wanted to make a mark and this is how they were going to do it by giving him his last name, giving him a solo name. I, I don't necessarily like that. This is how it happened. Like, I don't know. No, I agree because at, at the very least, I think he should have been the one to say it. Um, I feel like there would be a lot of solos running around if, if, if all it came down to was the empire was allowed to change your last name when you, when you signed up and if you didn't have a family, then you were just solo. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? It would be like snow in the game of Thrones universe, um, or whatever. Uh, so yeah, I just feel like it would have been, it would have at least made more of a mark if he was the one to say like, I don't have a family uh, just put me down as solo or whatever. That would have been better. Yes. Uh, and then I don't know. In true in true Disney fashion, you would have had him <laughs> crack a joke about like really solo. That's what you're going with. That would have felt more natural. I, I feel like that's kind of like the the Marvel or Disney Star Wars type of humor now. Mm hmm. And so to just have it just kind of be like, I don't know, it almost feels like a throwaway. You know what I mean? Like it's a big moment. And then it's just like, oh, you don't have any people. Uh, I'm going to call you solo. Yeah, that sounds good. Mm-hmm. I, that's just that's like a here and gone moment. Like that's that's what they went with. Yeah, I mean, that's the kind of the issue that I have with that particular scene is. Yeah, it's it's. It's funny, whatever, but I just feel like, like what what you said, like put me down as solo. That would have been a lot better because, like you said, I think he should have been the one that said solo, um, or instead of like I have no people, but like you know I'm by myself, I'm solo or something like that. Yeah, like it dawns on him or something. Right. So that would be more impactful to me. Instead, now the entire every episode that we watch that has Han Solo we realize that the empire gave him his last name. Yeah. That's an, that's another, <laughs> that's another bummer. Um, well, and I think that if he would have been the one to say it, it, it ties into an earlier joke or an earlier gag where he tries to be, um, a cool pilot guy. And, uh, do a maneuver that he's not quite, uh, trained in, in which they get, he, um, goes on two wheels. If these had wheels goes on two um, 
I don't know, anti-grav lifters or whatever, mm -hmm. and uh, tries to slide his way down a, a narrow corridor filled with pipes and everything so that they can escape. And it, it works at first, but due to the length of the, the, the alleyway or whatever, they lose momentum and they get stuck. And so you can see that he has these ideas, but he's just not there from a um, experience perspective. And so like to, to play that up more and make him sound like he's, he's this really cool guy and he comes up with his own name of solo. Um, he's not there yet. You know what I mean? Like he can't quite have that name and not be ridiculed. It'd be like me trying to have everyone I know, like give, like I came up with my own nickname. Can you call me? Can you call me like poison or skull or something? You know what I mean? Like it's like, nobody does that. You, you're given your, your nickname by somebody else. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I, to, to have him come up with that would have been, uh, even more indicative of how far he has yet to, to be, the Han Solo that we know and love. Right. Um, so, yeah, I, I just think there's so many reasons why that kind of didn't really work in their, in that favor, in their favor for this story. Yeah. Well, he joins the army uh, in the Navy and it seems like, so he joined the Navy to fly, but later says that he got kicked out of the, <laughs> the Navy to be, a, you know, because he had a mind of his own and he's just, he becomes a grunt trooper. Is is that what we're to exp to understand here that transpired? Yeah, I mean he's clearly not treated well, um, and I think that 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 was a little bit of a lost opportunity to at least give us a quick a quick like, well, that's how that went. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? Because again, more character, more opportunity for him to show us that he's Han Solo, and it was funny to just cut to him immediately like in the thick of some awful battle that is, un you know, being fought in some uncomfortable, uh, environment. But I do feel like there is something lost there to, to just make that transition really quickly. Mm -hmm. But yeah, some grunt, some grunt soldier. Yeah. Uh, which by the way, I did think it was kind of a nice little fun nod, which by the way, there's tons of Easter eggs and stuff kind of hidden in references throughout this movie, which I really appreciate. But when he went to go enlist, they had like the uh, the the monitors showing like the the empire, and they had the imperial march playing in the background. Yes, I, I really I thought that was I liked the little nod. It was good. Yeah, it kind of reminded me of um, when they were standing in that port. Uh, it was playing like the join the empire today, and it reminded me of Starship Troopers a little bit too. Uh, how they're always talking about join the the Earth Defense Force or whatever it's called. I don't remember the Starship Troopers. Hmm. Uh, it had that. And and to me, that's kind of what was a little bit more interesting was to see what was going on in the background. Like you see uh, what the Empire is like just after, you know, they're they're um, they they become, you know, in, uh, garrisoned on a world. It's 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 oppression, but it's also like you can see they're kind of understanding that there's a rebellion and they're trying to squash it before um, it gets too centralized and uh, they can communicate and their cells of rebels and stuff like that mm -hmm. really reminded me of the rebels uh, uh, show. Right. Uh, at least season one. Anyway, I, I agree with that. And the one thing that 
this scene in particular does that I think would be really cool for them to have another branch of Star Wars movies or just a single like standalone movie would be give us an actual war movie from the perspective of the grunt soldiers seeing what's going on um because we kind of got a taste of that with rogue one a, a little bit yes and we get a taste of it here and i'd like to see that really explored a little bit more where you see the people talking about you know being enlisted and deploying and going into this conflict uh, and kind of trying to make sense of what they're doing, you know, and why they're doing it. I think that that would be a really cool story to tell that just kind of informs the universe or informs you of the universe and what's happening, you know, why there's this galactic conflict, why you should care about the rebels versus the Imperials uh, in, in the original trilogy. That's the kind of story that they could tell that I think would really lend weight and credence to this and have a good place in the Star Wars saga. Yeah, I agree, because, like, honestly, as far as I'm concerned, I don't really remember if there's ever a time that I felt like the Empire was really that bad in this movie. Mm -hmm. I mean, sure, they were pulling people out of the lines and whatever, and and yes, if I remember correctly, they, uh, they do mention that they enslave people but we don't see that it's always mentioned so i don't i don't feel like i was ever impact impacted that like oh the empire that's right they're actually really horrible you know what i mean mm -hmm. and i think that like you said you could uh sort of like finn's story uh at the beginning of um the force right. awakens where you're you just realize like what did i get myself into i am not okay with this at all but if you don't have a choice what does that look like right like you know, even if they wanted to do a, a Finn story right before Episode 7 where they kind of show this whole thing and then it culminates with the end of, or with the beginning, rather, of uh, The Force Awakens, that'd be kind of neat. Would, yeah, and it, would, and it would give a lot of depth to a um, main Star Wars character, too. Mm -hmm. See, that, that's the kind of stuff that they, I want. I don't need a solo movie, but I wouldn't mind a Finn movie. That wouldn't be bad. No, um, I don't think so. But the Empire does do something that I don't like, uh, and that is they in, they starve Chewbacca and chain him. Oh yeah, and that's Make true. him a. Uh, they just don't. They don't treat him good. Um, so Han is. <laughs> they're gonna kill him. The Empire just like kills him for desertion. Uh, by uh, they're assuming that they drop him in like a rancor pit, uh, and the monster is gonna eat him down there. Which the monster is Chewbacca. Yes, it was very Rancor Pit-esque, which I thought was kind of interesting. Mm -hmm. And so we get our introduction to Chewbacca and the introduction of Han and Chewbacca, actually. And so this is how they meet, which, uh, again, this is how it is now. This is <laughs> canon. You know, back that's, in not a, that's not a good thing. To, nobody who's happy about anything <laughs> ever says, that's just how it is now. <laughs> I don't like it. I don't, <laughs> but I'll accept exactly. it. <laughs> exactly. That's, that's a line I'm going to be using a lot, I think. But you know, in in the legends, uh, and there was a rich story there between Han and Chewbacca. You know, the reason why Chewbacca is so loyal to Han and everything, with him saving him from the spice mines of Kessel, and th this really great backstory. Um, but now it's. This is how they meet, and I feel this... like it says 
it says a lot about Chewbacca in this scene. How, Do you know what I mean? Yeah, but Be- how so? Because like I I get that he is a like prisoner who is probably extremely hungry and very um mistreated. But he's like willing to just kill anybody who gets thrown down there. Mhm. Without question, like that's not that's not a Chewbacca that I want to know existed. Right. You know what I mean? Like it seems so weird that he's oh yeah, he's just a murderer, <laughs> basically. Like I, I don't I'm not saying that like I know the one hundred percent the whole backstory of what happened and how he got put down there, but I have a hard time believing that I would just murder anybody who was thrown in a hole with me just because I mean, what else? Why? That's what they want me to do. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It it just feels like it says a lot about Chewbacca more so than it does about Han Solo. Mm-hmm. And they don't feel like buddies who are trying to escape at first. Right. Like they do at the end of that scene in this whole uh, thing. But it just lends a weird cadence to the beginning that it, it just was like, man, Chewbacca could rip your arms off if you wanted to. Right. Yeah. And so two things, right? This felt very forced and very like, how we're going to, we're going to do this to, to introduce them. Right. Yeah. It, it felt very forced because there were two things. A out of nowhere, Han just knows Wookiee growing up as a street rat in Corellia, I guess somewhere he learned it. Maybe it was an elective, like Groot was an elective. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. Um, but I just, I, I okay, we're going to accept it, <laughs> right? But yeah. then the other thing is, right away, like as soon as he starts speaking, Wookiee, he's like, oh, I'm not going to eat you anymore. All of a sudden, I'm not hungry, and we'll just escape. Like, I, yeah. I feel like that should have been a harder, something else so. should have happened there, you know what I mean? Yeah, well, because, I mean, it's the same thing with... Um, uh, what's her name getting grabbed? It just kind of works out. Kira getting grabbed. It just kind of, that's just what happens. Right. And it feels very coincidental. And again, I think that, uh, if you take something like the, uh, the border guard where, or the, the, um, where they're trying to get into the, the port and, uh, and get on a shuttle or whatever, that could have been something where they could have displayed that he knows at least another language. Yeah. So that we could go, okay, it's not out of his character to have learned at least the equivalent of like street chew or street Kashyyyk or whatever they speak, uh, Wookiee, street Wookiee. Um, so it, it just feels like a lot of missed opportunities. And, and, and like you're saying with, with the way that this plays out, the fact that they're, they decided to just throw them both down in a hole together really limits your options as to like how Han Solo gains his trust mm-hmm. and the way that Chewbacca can react and, and just how he is pre Han Solo. Right. It is, it seems like very limited writing. Yeah. I mean, I feel like they, they wanted to make something a little more elaborate here, but again, because of what we know with, with the production issues of this movie, maybe they just, they didn't have the opportunity to get it right, and they just this is what we have as a result of, you know, yeah. the different directions. 
just sweet like let's get through this part so that we can get to like the <laughs> the rest of the movie we can get everyone together and i do feel like sometimes that is a problem in any movie star wars or whatever any movie that you know who the characters are getting them together always seems to be a problem mm-hmm. um especially when they all start by themselves it it seems like for some reason, we have an issue with like getting everyone in the same spot in a way that is fun, timely, and makes sense with what you already know about the character. And it is a tall order. Like I'm not saying that it's not hard. I just think that the Han Solo movie is not the one to screw that up with. Like I can forgive that in a superhero movie. You know what I mean? Just because I do want to see them shoot lasers and <laughs> and punch things like I, I can give that a little bit of of uh, sway. But here where we we like you said, nobody asked for this movie. Um, maybe put a little bit more thought into that because you are making a character movie. Mm-hmm. It's literally the name of the movie is the solo movie. <laughs> so give me some character. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so we get introduced now to. Uh, the Woody Harrelson gang, we'll call it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, which is comprised of a new creature that I don't think we've seen in the past, which yes. uh, is voiced by Jean Favreau, and it's he's got like four arms. He's a pretty cool character. I, I enjoyed him. And um, Beckett's, or Beckert's, whatever his name is. Beckett, uh, yeah. Fiance, girlfriend, wife, lover, whatever, um, that uh, is part of the crew. So it's those three. And... They're going to go do a heist. They're going to go steal this fuel from this train. So it's an old-fashioned train robbery. Yes. Um, what did you think about this scene? Uh, with the uh, – are you talking about when they're around the campfire, basically? Well, you can do the campfire, but also the actual or train. The heist. whole thing. Okay. Yeah, sure. I was that, – that is a – that was well done, to to at least it was good of them to put the the campfire scene in there because that's the scene that I think played off the expectation of what at least I originally had with Woody Harrelson um kind of seeing him as that mentor and seeing that they have that almost what you kind of come to expect from a band of of rebels so to speak not that they're rebels but a band of uh people living outside of the the fringes of society or whatever mm-hmm. um in that they they are this family unit in a way each person has their spot uh i think that that was important for all of what comes next did i did i feel bad that um uh, Rio, I think is his name, the, the four-armed creature. Did I feel bad about what happened with him? Yeah. Did I cry? No, not really. And I, I mean, you can make me cry super easy in a movie. <laughs> so it's when I say that, I'm, I'm saying like it was enough for me to, to be invested, but I'm not going to say like I, I thought that these people were going to last very long. And when they didn't, I – it was a natural progression of the story, right? You can't have two pilots. Mm-hmm. So obviously we got to see something happen. So it's nice that all of that leads into the train heist, which I am 
Well, honestly, my first thought was, man, they why did they film this in the snow? That must have been horrible. <laughs> uh, hopefully it was all CGI. If it was, uh, it looked fine. Um, but I was I was kind of glad to kind to go back to that old West theme in a sci fi uh, setting. Mm hmm. Uh, I, I had no problem with it. I thought it was I thought it was a great way to uh, kind of have this story play out. Um, you know, it certainly provided enough uh, where where the 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 speeder chase wasn't really that interesting to me. I mean, it was okay, but it didn't put me on the edge of my seat. I feel like this was like the chunk of the movie that they felt like they knew exactly how they wanted this part to play out and having um, that other group come in and kind of try to take, take the, the, the steel right out from underneath of, of them. Um, I, I use this uh, term or at least this, this way of thinking as a negative for the last Jedi and that I felt like I, for part of the movie, I, I felt like I was watching somebody's, uh, Star Wars campaign, like tabletop role playing game campaign. <laughs> and I said that as in like every character is off doing their own thing in, in a certain way. And usually that's not good. Um, and here I felt like this was a much better constructed way of saying that I felt like I was watching a group of characters, uh, tabletop role playing campaign, and I was having fun with it. Uh, I felt like I was a part of this. I was part of the action. It wasn't confu confusing. It was a nice self-contained story that they were going to go rob this and get some money. That's something that you can relate to very easily. Mm -hmm. Um, and again, it provided the action that I felt like we needed to see, uh, the progression of, of Han kind of becoming a part of this group through unfortunate circumstances, but that's kind of what happens when you live this life mm -hmm. uh, and uh, becoming confident in his skills, I guess is the best way I can put it because he's not like, he's not the guy who's out front shooting all the bad guys or whatever. You know what I mean? Like he's right. kind of in the back sort of waiting to be told what to do. You know, they even Woody Harrelson Beckett even says like, this isn't uh Wait a minute. Am I getting my basically just do what you're told? I almost got I think I almost got movies confused when I said <laughs> don't improvise. Was that this movie? Uh, I think that line was said here, too. OK, I feel like I'm thinking of something else. I've seen a few movies recently and my my poor old tired brain gets things confused sometimes. So you'll have to forgive me. But I think he was told not to improvise mm -hmm. <laughs> and just stick to the plan. Yeah. Um. And clearly that doesn't happen. So I feel like we get some action and I feel like we get some character development. Uh, all all encompassed in a train robbery. And I'm fine with that. Yeah. And I mean, it's a very straightforward sequence, right? Um, there's, there is uh, action going on all across this train where you have your main group of guys, which are trying to actually decouple a car and, you know, put the... Uh, the, the toes on there so they can actually steal it away. And then you got the one who's over trying to uh, blow up the tracks so the rest of the train falls off. Um, and I thought that it was really well done between the two. 
in this 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 rival group, this rival gang that comes in here, I thought was an interesting foil uh, that we had that was thrown in, which later on we'll get to uncover some more about them. But I thought that that was a really cool scene, especially when that leader jumps on the train and is fighting Woody Harrelson's character um, yeah. on top of the train. Enfys. Um, I'm just looking. Um, Enfys. Enfys Nest, which kind of was hard to clarify what exactly was being said when anybody said that character's name. But um, yeah, I I don't know why, but I don't know if it's the design or the fact that they just like show up on speeder bikes, like some kind of weird motorcycle gang mm-hmm. or what. But I was totally into what was happening. And the whole time, I will have to say, I was like, do not reveal don't reveal this character too soon, please, because that that can happen. Masked characters. Sometimes they need to stay a mystery, at least for most of the movie. And when you have like this, like you said, this this um, this other group that comes in and and is trying to be the foil of 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 the um, Beckett's group, like. I want to just think of them as bad guys mm-hmm. I for for this time, like, don't let me don't. I, I want to see them as bad guys who are coming to to be like the main antagonist of this of this group. And I don't want to see why they're doing it. And then it turns out, you know, this is what's happening. And, and that I just want some cool characters that are memorable and don't get destroyed immediately. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And don't surrender immediately. Captain Phasma is still not forgiving you. Um, so. Yeah, the design, the the way that they are presented, they come rolling in on their speeder bikes. Uh, I'm all in. Like this mm-hmm. whole sequence was, to me, it, it might not have been the have been the best ever done or anything, but as far as like a Star Wars movie with some action in it goes, like I was there, I was present for this. I was I was in my seat watching and enjoying. I how I about liked, you? I liked it. This. It reminded me of. Do you remember Shadows of the Empire? Bree, uh, uh, yes, I didn't get very far in that game. Oh no, <laughs> that's when you gotta go back and play. Um, so there was the scene, and also in the book, the Swoop Gang comes in, and uh, you know you have to worry about them. It reminded me of the Swoop Gang, just a little bit more interesting, right? Kind of that that biker gang mentality, like you said. I was wondering if later on in the movie that this would be revealed to be Boba Fett, uh, honestly. Oh, that would be interesting. Or at least some kind of um, bounty hunter. Bounty hunter. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I enjoyed it. I thought it was really well done, well shot. And you had this, you know, the the character that we liked that was uh, the four-armed guy ends up dying. Um, yes. Han takes over as uh, flying the, the ship. Uh, someone says he is a good pilot because he can fly the ship, I suppose. And well, uh, to be fair, he was trying to keep it steady. I mean, he's going along with this train. He's got to keep it steady so they can attach the cables. I I give it a pass that he was at least showing some kind of prowess. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the, I mean, the equivalent of parallel parking these days, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, so, you know, that that character dies, unfortunately. And then um, the other character the love interest of Woody Harrelson's character. I can't remember. Val. Her name. Val. Uh, Val. She, she blows herself up uh, because the Viper droids are out there, which were cool to see Viper droids, by the way. 
Um, Viper yeah. shorts were out there, and then she couldn't handle them. But she was doing a really cool job trying to take care of them. She just ran out of time. Yeah, I, I mean, you've got this train barreling down on you, and clearly she has a job to do. Uh, I don't know the character well enough to know whether or not she would sacrifice herself, so it was kind of like a, oh, okay, this is happening now. All right. Um, it was nice to see you for 15 minutes or whatever, you know. Um, but it was handled well enough that it didn't bother me. Uh, I don't... I didn't feel the impact that I think they wanted to with Beckett's character, Woody Harrelson. Like, I, I don't feel like it had as much impact as it probably sh- was supposed to. But all in all, I think at the very least it served to make the train scene more interesting and actually feel like there are some stakes because, you know, two people died like this. This this group nearly got wiped out. Um, mm-hmm. And you don't see that very often. You know, a lot of times you don't see a group that gets introduced and then half of the team dies. You know what I mean? Yeah, I was anticipating maybe one of them, but the whole team to go and just be Woody, you know, left over from the bunch. That wasn't that was a bit of a I don't know, it just feels like they they thin them out pretty quickly. Yeah, especially yeah, I can see that because one would assume they've done jobs like this before. So, you know, to have some droids come out and really that be a problem. But at the same time, you also have that, I guess, unforeseen, um, Enfys nest come in and, and, and also create a problem. So I guess it's just kind of one of those like worst case scenario type deals where everything that could go wrong did go wrong Mm -hmm. because at the end of the day, nobody ended up with the hall. And right. that kind of leads us into what happens next. Right. Which, by the way, the uh, it reminds me of nitroglycerin in a way, the way that yes. it was kind of you know, treated. Uh, but I thought that was really visually cool, the explosion of the <laughs> of the fuel cells and what it did to that mountaintop. Yes. I, my my wife looked over to me and she was like, well, well, dang. Mm-hmm. Except she didn't say dang. Um, <laughs> and yeah, it did look cool. Yes, yes, it did. It kind of looked like underwater, but it wasn't. Mm-hmm. Um, so definitely, I could. It gives you an appreciate appreciation as to why they don't want to later have this explode while they're carrying it. So <laughs> exactly right. They see what happens. So yeah, we get into uh, Paul Bettany's character is introduced, and we're uh, also reintroduced to Kira. She is working for Paul Bettany's character. Forget me, I, I can't remember his name. It doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> Dryden. Dryden. Okay. Dryden Voss, which I feel like I've heard that name before, Dryden. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure it's probably like John in the Star Wars universe. Yeah, that could be. John maybe. Voss. Um, John Voss. <laughs> should have been John Voss. Hi, I'm John Voss. Everyone's but, like, what? Yeah. So we get introduced to him. He's just killed the regional governor. Um of the imperial governor so evidently he's above the law uh so you can kind of get that introduction for him rather quickly with a kind of vi uh vibra blade slash lightsaber ish dart not dart uh dagger that was kind of yeah. neat yeah i thought those were cool and i mean it's it's been done in star wars to kind of have that type of like here's the bad guy and this is why he's bad 
And I'm fine with that. Like, like you said, quick way show exactly this guy. This is a guy who means business. He's uh, basically a mafia boss and he mean he means business like mm-hmm. lives are nothing to him. Right. Cool. Which, which, by the way, you saying mafia boss reminded me this movie started out, you know, with the Lucasfilm logo and then no crawl. But we had like three paragraphs to read still. I was just like. Come on, we could have done a crawl here. This... You you know what? You're right. I didn't even it didn't even occur to me that there wasn't a a crawl. Yeah, because you know Rogue One didn't have a crawl either, but this one had like yeah. three scenes or screens rather of dialogue to read. So I was just like, you, you guys, you are Star Wars. You you can use the crawl. I mean, I, I get if you're going to just reserve that for the episodes, but I don't know. anyway, no, sorry. I this is digression, <laughs> but yes. Um, yeah, the, we, so we see him, and we know that there's some sort of issue with, with Kira being like, I'm not the same person you remember, but um, Han seems to think that she still is there. And they decide that they're going to go ahead and still provide for, for this guy what he needs. They're going to go get the, the raw materials. Um, and evidently, the raw materials are on Kessel. Is, so is Kessel now not a spice mine? Yeah, I didn't quite understand what that was all about because they had to go through well to get there was a whole ordeal. And I didn't I don't feel like they said Kessel. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like I feel like it was another place, but then they had to go to Kessel to Or no, no, okay. I have it backwards. That's the problem. They had to go to Kessel to get it. And then they had to go to another place to refine it. That's mm-hmm. why I'm that's why I'm getting it mixed up. So, yeah, I, I guess maybe amongst other things, you know, kind of like how not every planet is just one, one temperate role. climate or whatever. Oh, wait. No, I guess that does happen in Star Wars. Yeah, <laughs> it's not a spice mine anymore. <laughs> it's fuel. It's it's the equivalent of an of like an oil uh, mining operation, I guess. Yeah. I mean, that, that's kind of the sense that I get. I mean, that's not to say that there are no spice mines, because I believe 3PO says something about the spice mines of Kessel in Return of the Jedi. Um, like, we'll be, you know, sent to the spice mines of Kessel for sure. Something like that. Yeah. So that is already part of the canon. So I'm just curious if, if what they're trying to say about Kessel here. So I'd, I'd be curious to look at, like, the extended... Um, planet guide or whatever they have now because they always put a new one out when a new movie comes out yeah just they to have see to. <laughs> yeah just to see what this planet does now but it was cool like you said to get there but before we even get there we have to lando's here we have to go get lando that's which, true uh he's introduced by uh kira knowingly guy essentially and yeah they go han tries to play the uh play the zabak sabak sabak, sabak. Sabic. Sabic. <laughs> uh, I never played the Sabic before. <laughs> What's this game called? Sabic? Um, <laughs> so we were kind of teased to, oh, is this where he's going to win the Falcon, right? Yes. Um, that whole whole game of cards. And then we see that Han would have won, but Lando used his little uh, card trick up his sleeve to, to yep. pull out the winning card. So... Lando gets in. He's like, ah, oh, we had to go get my ship. 
and then his ship is actually locked up somewhere, and he's you know using them to free his ship so yeah. he can actually go use it, which is perfectly Lando. Um, so played out beautifully. I love this scene. We get the introduction to L three, and Han is instantly in love with the ship. You can tell. I mean, even though again we're not fond of the actor, but you can tell that he is in love with the ship when he sees it. Mm-hmm. Like when he's well, in the cockpit, and, when he sees it from the outside, even too. And that's all he's ever wanted throughout the whole movie. Like that's been his one motivation besides Kira is to get a ship of his own. Mm-hmm. So like from that perspective, it, it completely works. And like you said, you, you don't, it, it's at least written into the story that no matter who's doing the acting here, it, it it makes sense from a character perspective that he would be envious of of that ship. So that all I thought worked great. Mm-hmm. So we get off the planet, we go to Kessel, we see the the Kessel run in its normal thing where you just follow in through uh, into the maw, and then we just arrive at Kessel, right? Yeah, we, it was shown that it's an ordeal to get there, but if you know what you're doing, it's not that bad. Right, which the reason, again, that Han doesn't wipe the L3 mind every time is because she has a fantastic navigational computer, and he doesn't want to lose that navigating data because she can navigate that really easily. Yes. So we get to Kessel, and they have their, their plan to go get the, the raw fuel that they're going to put in these containers that keeps it stable for a little while, but not forever. Right. And nitroglycerin. Exactly. It's the nitro. <laughs> and Chewie and Han are going to go get the, the fuel, which is right. And then Chewie sees Wookiees and he says, nah, I'm out. I'm going to go free these Wookiees. Which kind of figured that was going to happen, right? You, if he saw Wookiees, he was going to go take care of them. Yeah. And it's kind of cool to see, you know, more Wookiees in a post episode three world. Because we haven't seen any of the Wookiees other than Chewbacca for a long time. And it was kind of cool to see some of those interactions there. What did you think of the other Wookiees? I was, I, I agree, because it was nice to see them not CGI. Because, I don't know, there's something weird about a CGI Wookiee. Um, so, yeah, I I was glad that they put that in because it it gives a character that they don't, want to subtitle um when he speaks at least some action to do like okay this is kind of he's a freedom fighter for his people practically um and so i feel like it was a good move uh it definitely helps later for him to come back and uh help han and i did kind of feel like they almost made it seem like Han was just like, all right, man, you got to go do what you got to do. Mm-hmm. Maybe we'll see each other again. <laughs> right. And you're just like, really? Like, is that what's really happening? Obviously you can't, but mm-hmm. you do get that. Like, oh, maybe, maybe they don't meet up until they get off the world or something. Right. And then, um, then I was holding out hope for the actual, like, maybe he does help free him from the castle and maybe this is the life debt play. And, but yes, never get there. I was expecting that save saving the, like, you know, he's been saving Chewbacca has been kind of saving his life or at least being his bodyguard. But then the the role is turned and the the weak, measly human gets to save the giant, powerful creature for once. Mm-hmm. Doesn't really happen, though. 
Right. Which, I mean, it's just a missed opportunity. It's not like it brings anything down. But, yeah, those are the moments I feel like make Star Wars feel bigger than just the stories about, you know, the humans that happen to populate most of everywhere. <laughs> right. Uh, so they get the stuff. They are running to get it to the Falcon, which uh, L3, meanwhile, started the revolution and all this crazy stuff is happening. Um, and Chewbacca meets back up with Han. They push the stuff out to the the Falcon. They start getting loaded up. Uh, and then the other Wookiees split ways with the people that they were on Kessel with uh, to go their own way. L3 is killed, unfortunately, in the crossfire. Um, and then... We are then taken to Han and Chewie flying uh, to try to do this Kessel run in a shorter amount of time to make it quicker than they would have before. So they they have to go through the maw and this big creature there in the middle. That creature, I liked it. I thought it was cool. Yeah, it reminded me of the Kraken or something like that, mm-hmm. except for much larger. <laughs> right. Um yeah, once again, it kind of it gives that Star Wars lore, you know, it opens, it expands the world a little bit and it makes you feel a little bit less safe about the open space. It, it was like the space worm. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like it, it makes you realize that even though these are stories about basically humans, uh, at least in the Star Wars world. There are things that are much larger and much scarier to to have to deal with sometimes, mm-hmm. um, you know, or like rancors, stuff like that. So I need me some creatures in Star Wars. Right. I appreciate exactly. it. And it was something I hadn't seen before. Right. So You're I was all about it. Able to see some some other interesting, cool things. And again, the reason why they had to do this is because the Empire heard about the rebellion and and they blocked their way with a big old. How cool was that though? Uh Like just to see that. Yes. Mm -hmm. Just on looming on the horizon, they show up and it really gives you that sense of like scale and how small you suddenly feel inside the millennium Falcon. Mm -hmm. And uh, one of the, one of the funniest moments for me was when, you know, Hans like, Oh, I used to work with these guys. There's no way they would spare a couple of tie fighters just to, just to take out a measly, um, whatever the name of the ship is. Freighter. Uh, yeah, whatever. The freighter. And then, of course, that's exactly what they do. Uh, and to me, that that says a lot in a little bit. Like, that's why those lines work so great is you have Han Solo who thinks he knows what he's talking about but doesn't, obviously. Mm-hmm. But then you also are saying something about the Empire and that, no, they definitely will. They, they can throw however much is needed at any problem. That's That's why the Empire is so... Um, is is just so like uniform, and it just seems like there's no end to them because they they do that. They they can afford to just throw things at whatever, however small a problem seems to be, because that's exactly what their their that's what their mo is. They they squash whatever problem it is and bring what they perceive as order to the galaxy. Mm-hmm. Um. And I think that was a great moment. I really do. I think it was fun and uh, or funny and said a lot about what needed to be said in a little amount of time, unlike what I just did. 
So when they were about to try to escape the maw, uh, which was this gravity well, they they had to inject some of this raw fuel into this into the ship. Yes. <sighs> so for me, this brought up spaceballs, where they put liquid Schwartz into yeah. the into the Winnebago, <laughs> and were able to just like take off and go right. This right, whole, yeah. This whole time, this whole scene, and even the way it played out, it just felt like it was liquid Schwartz. I. Yeah. Well, yeah, because it was almost comedic because it doesn't work at first, and then you're expecting like, oh, haha, it didn't it didn't work. Now what are they gonna do? And then it then it kicks in like right at the last minute, and yeah, you're right. It is it is a little bit um, silly, I guess. And it does make you wonder, like, okay, why don't the why don't you just figure out a way to do this all the time then? Mm-hmm. Like, if if the reason you you made it that quick in twelve parsecs or whatever is because you used a little bit of unrefined jet fuel or whatever, mm-hmm. then it really wasn't because you are a skilled pilot at all. You just got lucky. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know if I like that or not. Part of me does, but part of me is like, yeah, that was just kind of like the deus ex machina or whatever of just um, or ex machina of um, sorry, I get the game and the actual terminology confused <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> of of just being like, well, it's convenient that, that they can just do that um, with really no. Was there a consequence, honestly, that Not that I really. remember? No, I mean the 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 ship was trashed because of his. Uh, what was another well. funny lot? Yeah, and the uh, the little move he pulled. Right. That I learned this sideways. from a. Yeah, I learned this from a guy on, on, um, Corelia or whatever. The who great died pilot doing that this. did this. <laughs> yeah, <died> doing <laughs> yeah, that was a good line too. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, like it doesn't. It it feels to me like well, why don't they just do this all the time then, or at least. You know, it seems like it would be it wasn't as bothersome to me, though, as just suddenly being able to uh, use the hyperdrive to warp into a cargo bay or whatever. Mm -hmm. Like that was just like out of nowhere craziness to me. This, at least, I can kind of understand from a mechanical perspective. Uh, So I didn't I didn't have an issue with it, but it does just kind of feel like a weird way, like a lazy way of getting out of it. Mm-hmm. Especially that there were no consequences. Right. Really. Because the next scene where, where they're on that planet where they were supposed to meet up with Paul Bettany. Um, yes. And the dreaded desert planet. Uh-huh. So we're finally at our desert planet and they're refining the fuel. Uh, Woody Harrelson's character says, I'm going to take off. I'm going to leave. Uh, meet me up on Tatooine. Yeah. So I thought that was kind of cool. Jabba. Yeah, they they talked about uh, something to do there on Tatooine, and then the the rival gang approaches, and they reveal themselves to be, you know, not bad people, but actually fighting for good. And Han decides, I want to help you guys because he's a softie at heart, right? He says he's not, but everybody knows he is. Because reasons. Because reasons, exactly. Uh, And then. They decide to do this elaborate ploy to, you know, help them out. 
um, where they don't take, but they're going to take the fuel to Paul Bettany. So they take the fuel to Paul, and he says, oh, this is fantastic. How did you... <laughs> I love that he's just Paul now. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. We had Jack earlier, or John, whatever his name was. Yeah. Uh, and then they take the fuel up to him, and he's like, this is fantastic. How did you do it? And, you know, they kind of suss out that this is a ploy because uh, Woody Harrelson's character double-crossed him. They He went to Paul Bettany first and said, this is what's going to happen. And he tattletailed. He ratted him out. Exactly. He he was true to the Woody Harrelson casting. Um, yes. So, but what we kept to find out was that wasn't the case. They sent all the people down there, um, and there was a ploy for for Paul's troops <laughs> to be <laughs> overthrown um, by the other guys down there. And all that was left was Paul Bettany, Woody Harrelson, Kira, Ed Han, and Chewbacca up in and the two other guards up in the uh ship so how'd you what do you think of the scene i i thought it was an interesting mexican standoff ish kind of thing again the western yeah. kind of approach yeah um i mean it's kind of like the it's kind of like what you would assume would kind of what it would come down to right um and for the most part, I liked it. I thought it was fine. I, I kind of had a, I felt weird that what it came down to was Kira, um, kind of pulling the wool over Paul's eyes. (laughs) (laughs) Um, because like once that happened, I kind of realized that that's kind of how it was going to play out because why would she wait this long to kill, uh, Han Solo when she's been alone with him plenty of times. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, I don't know. It just, it felt weird because we don't really know. Like they, they often say like, well, you don't know what she's done. You wouldn't even be friends with her or whatever. If you'd known what she had to do to get here, but we don't ever see her act like that. She seems like a completely normal and charming young lady. So why would I assume that she would just kill her best friend? I can see that from Beckett. Mm -hmm. So like to me, the stakes didn't really seem that high. Um, but other than that, like it was enjoyable enough to see them basically put down their biggest issue, which was Paul, right. <laughs> which was like, how do we get away from Paul? Because uh, he'll hunt us down if we don't deliver, which, um, which by the way, Kira was trained in Terakasi. Yeah, I, I thought I thought that was interesting. Uh, that was a cool little um, cause that's, uh, prevalent in the books or the comics, right? The books. And there was the game. Oh, don't let's no, don't bring that up. Hey, what I want to come out of this is a, uh, masters of Terracossi two, uh, featuring Kira as the main boss. Oh my gosh. That would be amazing. <laughs> um, so yeah, like the the stakes felt kind of low there, but uh, what happens afterward? I mean, kind of makes up for that because I didn't really expect that to happen at all. Uh, let's just get there. She holographs somebody, and at first I was trying yeah. to figure it out who who it was that she was talking to. Right, like I'm pretty familiar with the Star Wars universe. Who's she talking to here? You kind of see it pan around, and I'm looking at the legs. I'm like, those are those are like robotic. I wonder who this is. And yeah. then I hear the voice. 
And I'm like, oh, it's Sam Witwer. There, this is Maul. And then it pulls around. You see him, and he pulls his, his helmet, not helmet, his hood back, because vast majority of people haven't seen Rebels, haven't seen Clone Wars, and don't know Maul is alive. And ah, I love the scene. It was fantastic to me. I was like, ah, I was just like so excited because now in a cinematic movie past episode one, it shows Maul being alive. And so now more people understand that he is still alive. Uh, what do you think? Alive and kicking. <laughs> Am I right? Cause, <laughs> oh, um, yeah. You know, I thought that was very cool because there you have something that they actually invested in and then it kind of pay, paid off or at least it feels like it's going to pay off. And that leaves me that leads me to the question of. Do they leave it there? Because they I feel like. I feel like they're doing something with that. You don't just put that in a movie and then just lay it to bed and leave it at that. Mm-hmm. Right. So do we see do we see that the continuation of this in a different movie or is there going to be a solo too? Uh, I, w- I want more of that. I want to know what's going on there. So I enjoyed it, but I feel like I, I feel like it's it's sending me mixed messages mm-hmm. because if it means another solo movie, then like you said, we, this is what it is now. Um, but her story was like the most interesting to me, honestly. Uh, so yeah, I mean, all that to say that I, I thought it was great, like to, to finally throw us a little bit of familiarity. Um, and like you said, a lot of people don't know that. And I forgot about it because I stopped watching rebels, right after he is kind of revealed, uh, in that season. So that's why I feel like what happened after the fight was probably the most interesting part of the movie because, you know, she takes off and leaves Han there to, to deal. And it's funny because I just said, I don't feel like she would have killed Han ever. So that didn't seem like a danger. But then this happens. Mm-hmm. And now I'm left to wondering why. What's going on? Why I, I want to know what what this is leading into and why this didn't happen in the middle of the movie. You know what I mean? Or like why this didn't happen when Paul was still alive. Um so yeah, I don't I don't know what this means, but to me, it's more interesting than what happens to everybody else, honestly. I think this should lead into the Kenobi movie. Hmm. Do, uh, all of it or just that particular part? Like, are we done with well, Solo or does he? So, I mean, uh, unfortunately, I don't think we're done with Solo. But, you know, <laughs> if he goes to Tatooine, he talks about, you know, Kira. And then he says something that about the rising sun or Crimson Sun, and that peaks, uh, you know, Obi-Wan's ear, he's listening, and then all of a sudden he's thinking, and then he communes with Yoda, and Yoda says, you must finish what you have started. And then he has to go hunt down uh, Darth Maul, or just Maul, rather. Mm. That'd be kind of cool, right? Well, and especially, you get some perspective, and I guess this is canon now, right? They treat the the comics as canon, the Mm -hmm. new ones. Mm -hmm. So he was he felt like he needed to protect, 
Tatooine, the the residents of Tat- Tatooine to a certain degree, anyways, uh, from a certain point of view. Um, <laughs> and so he has that streak in him. It, it, he finds it difficult. And it's at this time or around this time that he's having a hard time basically being in inactive Jedi. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think, at least for me, having read that, it fits in perfectly. I think that is a natural progression. And it's certainly one that they could lead into and possibly even have succeed a little bit more than this. Just because I feel like you get Ewan McGregor back and I think people would be on board with that. You oh. know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Um, they really are following the Marvel uh, <laughs> kind of the Marvel template of giving some people their own movies, having them come together, uh, blending in the characters who meet each other. I, I feel like that could happen. It, it's a it, it's a recipe that works elsewhere so why not if you want to bring star wars in into like its own world building um series of movies it seems like a natural progression to me right able to do it here for sure either way i want to know if i find out that they're going to continue that storyline in a comic book series i will not be very happy (laughs) (laughs) right because it's such a big cliffhanger ish but cameo or reveal that i think that people would be interested to see what would happen in another film rather than just you know a comic book or a a book for that matter yes i i definitely i agree i agree you don't you don't use that big of a like that's only that's second to okay it's third well at that time it would have to be second to what the emperor Mm -hmm. right um it's that it's this era's darth vader so why put that in there and then throw it away? It's right. a, it would be a missed opportunity. Oh, for sure. So so remind me what happens. She leaves. She leaves him. She leaves him. Um, and then Woody Harrelson. Oh, yes. Is, you know, leading Chewbacca because Chewbacca is carrying him. Han Solo cuts him off at the pass and Woody is going to teach him one last lesson. But Han shoots Han first. Shoots first. Yes, he does. They got that right. Mm-hmm. I agree. Well, um, I mean, and he's in the perfect mood, right? His wannabe girlfriend just leave, left him there on the beach. And uh, I don't know. I feel like when that happens, he, he's he's in a dark place in his life. He's uh, He learned a lesson that uh, two characters had to teach him, but he learned it well. And... Uh, it's funny. You often hear, why do why do people let the bad guys talk for so long when they could just shoot them? Or why do the bad guys let the heroes talk for so long? Well, here's a great example of <laughs> of when that doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that's great. I liked it. Yeah. Uh, final scene is uh, pretty much Han getting the Falcon from Lando in, uh, in that fabled card game. Um, and it's, what's just funny is... When they see each other, Han like gives him this weird handshake and realizes he's got a little apparatus up his sleeve. Yes. Takes the card and then sits down to play the game of cards with him. And so he can actually win fair and square the Falcon. That's the movie. Yes. So yep. what's what's your what's your rating of this movie? Like what do you think that this is, you know, 
What What's your overall thoughts on this movie? Well, I, I went into the movie with very low expectations and also not really having done any homework as to, as I alluded to before, as to like the problems, like I knew they existed, but I didn't look to see what anyone thought of the movie beforehand. I didn't look to see how it was doing. Um, so I didn't have too many notions going in other than it probably wasn't going to be that good. Uh, was it entertaining? Yes. Was it fun? Yeah. I had, I had a good time with it. Um, it was better than I expected. I think it could have been better, but it could have been, it could have been much worse. Let's just put it that way. I don't want to give it too much credit, especially since we did have some pretty large complaints with this movie. It doesn't break the movie as a storytelling device. It breaks our, um, conceptions of who the characters are. Uh, I think we're, I think that a lot of people are upset because we feel like we know who these characters are and we don't, we don't need this movie. And I do think that to a certain degree, it does tarnish that. But as a movie, I had a lot of fun with it. I thought it was, I thought it was a solid effort and I would give it a B. A B. A B. A 3.5 if I had to do a number scale. Out of five. Out of five, yes. <laughs> to clarify, that is an out of five and not ten. <laughs> um, for me, so again, I had the lowest expectations going into this movie as well. I pulled into the theater about 7.02 for a 7 o'clock start time, um, which is Woo! totally unheard of for me. Um, but, you know, I had to, I had the reserved seating. Uh, it was just took a long time to get there that day, just having to do some other things. Um and I walked in ready for a movie, hoping that it would be fun and just, you know, not offensive. <laughs> that was my goal. Not offensive, right. please. Right. Um, because going in, like, we had the discussion of all the different directing and writing changes all throughout the way. And I just wanted it to be something that I could enjoy and find entertaining and fun, like you said. And I walked out really liking the movie. I thought that it was, you know better in my opinion because I have issues with Rogue One and I have issues with The Last Jedi. I thought yes. it was better than both of those in my opinion. Um, and while it doesn't necessarily need to exist, it's it's a nice addition to the Star Wars universe. Um, once I look past the casting of Han and just see everybody else and all the other characters, it works really well. Um I also was apprehensive going in about the score by John Powell because um, he's always yeah. been one of those. He's a fine composer. He's just nothing super memorable, but he does a really good job in this movie evoking the original trilogy. You hear um, Williams really weaved in a lot. Uh, some of those uh, score elements that are in this movie. Uh, yes. Williams does do a song in, in this movie. The I think it's The Adventures of Han Solo or something like that is what they call the track. But Williams did do one track on the album, but the rest is all Powell. Uh, and I thought it worked really well with the movie. It sounded great. And visually, there was some good stuff to, to look at here, too. And 
I did see it in 3D. 3D didn't do anything for me. I don't recommend it necessarily in 3D. But I do think that this is a movie worth seeing if you're a Star Wars fan. Even if you're not. If you just want something that's got some action and something that's uh, a good popcorn flick, this will fit the bill. Um, um, it doesn't... Oh, sorry. Oh, I was... Actually, go ahead and finish your sentence your sentence because i don't I, I know it'll move it away but there was one thing i wanted to ask you before we oh sure um this doesn't leave you asking any questions uh, like the force awakens did or like you know other that's Star Wars very movies true. do um but at the same time you don't necessarily need to have a movie that has that every time um but i felt like there were so many references you you heard you know people drop names in the movie for different places and things and people and there were cues visually of different uh uh like the the mandalorian armor that was shown there in that one scene and the other stuff that was sitting mm-hmm. around that was really, really cool it had a lot of good callbacks and a lot of easter eggs that star wars fans will find enjoyable so for all that i give this an a minus b plus that territory whoa a minus. That's a pretty high praise. It is. And it's, again, it's all shaded by the, probably the fact that I went into this with super low expectations. Yes. Yes, I know. I, I, I would, I will be interested to see what I feel like after a second viewing, which to be fair, I don't do second viewings very much on many movies. Uh, just because then I'm kind of comparing my first expectations to what I've I don't know. It, it's it just seems less exciting because I already know what happens. I guess so. It it's kind of, it's comparable because it's the same movie, but it the feeling that it evokes is different to me because now I'm thinking, okay, I could be watching something else when I'm watching a movie I already saw. You know what I mean? Um, so, but I do wonder how I would how I will feel when I inevitably watch this probably on the Disney streaming app when they finally release it or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but the question I was going to say to you or I was going to ask is what was your audience like? So the theater was not full. Uh, when I, as like I said, I walked in, um, past start time for the movie. So I didn't really see like all the people out in the auditorium or not the auditorium, Mm -hmm. the, uh, the concession areas and stuff like I would typically see. Mm -hmm. Um, so it was very muted experience there. And then when I got into the theater, it wasn't a full cinema. Uh, the auditorium was not packed like it had been for uh, the Avengers, like I had just seen there. Um, but there, it was maybe I would say three fourths full, or maybe slightly less than that. Uh, wow! But my audience didn't clap, didn't really make any sort of noises or anything, except for you know the laughter where you're supposed to laugh. Yeah. Um, at the end, they did clap. So they, there was a majority of people that clapped at the end. I think it's because, like me, this was better than they thought it would be. <laughs> Everyone goes, whew. Thank <laughs> exactly. goodness. I, that's funny. I had uh, I had the exact same experience. Uh, there was probably less people than you had. Um, I'd say probably half full or a little less. Mm-hmm. I saw it on Friday. Just I saw it Thursday night, the first, very first showing I could go to. Yeah. Um, ours was a, ours was like 
six o'clock or no seven o'clock. So not really. I mean, that would be getting pretty close to prime time. So when we arrived, there was like nobody there, um, or at least not very many. Uh, and we got in there. Like I said, it kind of filled up about halfway, maybe a little less and clapping at the end, laughing where, where, where needed. We did have one guy who was kind of bordering on obnoxious, obnoxiously loud laughing. Hmm. Um, but other, other than that, um, everyone seemed into it. And like you said, like everyone was just kind of like, okay, okay. I, I, I'm, I'm with you on this one. Mm-hmm. And so. like you said, obnoxious guy. So I did have my first experience that at least I heard, like, I, I know you, I've heard you and Jason talk about like, guys yeah, like, repeats like the funny lines or whatever. Oh, that, that is a sin <laughs> in my book. I had a guy that was repeating like the, the little two or three liners. Um, yeah. every time he was like, Oh, not my ship. <laughs> so I'm like, like what? <laughs> It's so stupid. Just, just. I, I don't understand what the appeal of saying somebody else's, especially like right after. I don't blame anybody for walking out and just being like, oh yeah, when he said, you know, this. I don't. I get that. It's Mm -hmm. the immediately after. What is with that? It's that uh, repetition for emphasis. Maybe I don't know. Yeah. Hey, that was funny, right? (laughs) (laughs) Me too. I'm not the only one who who thought that was funny, right? I'm gonna I'm gonna repeat it and see if anybody laughs. Oh, yeah. man, how annoying. Exactly. But uh, as as you know, we, we said here, this was not a, a train wreck of a movie. Um, oh, <laughs> there was a train wreck in the movie. <laughs> See? Ah, I saw where you were going with that one. <laughs> ah, sorry. But uh, I, I do think that it was enjoyable. And, you know, this movie is underperforming, as they say, at the box office yeah, right now. And I saw that. It's... It's funny because it's made a hundred and three million dollars in less than a week, and it's underperforming. Yeah. Um, so Disney, I don't know what their expectations were for this movie, but they haven't really, in from what I've seen, been advertising much for it. Nowhere near to the fact that they advertised the last movie, or even Rogue One. I feel like got more advertisement than this. Um, for Rogue One, I saw like you know the Nissan ads everywhere for the their Nissan Rogue and go see Rogue One, and I I don't see anything for Solo. I know that there was there's some sort of uh, deal that they did with the Solo cups um, <laughs> to to kind of wow. do some cross marketing, but I just I don't see the advertising behind this movie, and I think Disney's just kind of like gonna write it down for for what they expect to lose. I mean they just had you know the infinity war movie come out, which is going to give them that billion dollars um, that they don't have to really worry about having much of a loss here. And I think they got yeah. a pretty solid slate for, for their movies coming out the rest of the year. But I, I just feel like they set this out to die in a way. Yeah, it does feel like after they started having problems, they just kind of started to, stop talking about it. Basically. I think they realized the less they said, the, the better, the less that got out. But then that also leads to nobody talking about your movie. Um, I don't feel like they tried to change anyone's mind when they said, Oh, I don't need, I don't need a Han Solo movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think I saw a total of three trailers, uh, one of which I went out of my way to watch. So yeah, it's, it, it, 
it it is trying to figure out the mindset of what they're doing here. Is it that they're testing the waters? Are they or are they committed to this now? Because it feels like they're committed. And if mm. that's the case, then why why are you treating it so badly? Why why kind of act like you know? Okay, we released it. Let's get it out of the way. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, well, what's their next? Their next movie is Ant Man and the Wasp, right? No, Which, for for Disney. Uh, they've uh, got uh, the, in- the Incredibles, Incredibles coming too. out soon, and they got a couple other ones before the end of the year too. So the Incredibles um, is coming out earlier, and then Ant Man and the Wasp is later in July. And then there's a couple other ones that are bigger hitters that they got coming out too. I just, I mean, I don't feel like Ant-Man performed as well as they had expected and they're making a second movie out of that. So I wonder if they're just kind of banking on people to just accept that there's going to be more Star Wars movies now, just like we kind of just accept that there are going to be standalone superhero movies. Mm Mm-hmm. So, um, as far as Disney's slate, uh, they had a Wrinkle in Time that came out earlier this year, woo! which I think that also underperformed. That bombed, as far as I, if, from what I read, that did not do well at all. Yeah. Um, so, they got Incredibles 2 coming out. They got Wreck It Ralph 2, Mary Poppins, Those will do well. Christopher Robin, The Nutcracker, Gigantic, Zombies. Um, zombies? Yeah. Like Disney Zombies, I don't know. That sounds very unlike <laughs> unlike Disney, but okay. It's high school zombies. Ugh, of course, uh, it is. I, I got no, no clue. Um, but yeah, so what's your what's your last word? Final thoughts on Solo? Um, it was a good effort. It exceeded my expectations. I I do think there may have been a lack of of that Star Wars magic, but honestly, that's hard to come by these days. I think. Every film, every new film in the in the franchise has a little bit of that problem. But if you can if you can look past that, if you can understand that, you know, you're not a kid anymore watching Star Wars for the first time and falling in love. And you just take this as a story driven narrative and you drop your pretenses about Han Solo. I know there's a lot of if you cans there. Mm-hmm. I do think that you can enjoy this movie because at, at the end of the day, it is a movie and it needs to stand on its own, regardless of if it's Star Wars, Jurassic Park, whatever. Oh, and which, by the way, that Jurassic World 2 looks terrible. <laughs> I have not seen anything for it, but I probably will go see the movie. Um, and then we can talk about it because, <laughs> again, you and I will be the only ones to go see it. <laughs> um, but I, I do think just as a movie, like you could do a lot worse. I know that's not a glowing recommendation or anything, but it's also not condemning. Don't condemn the movie just because you're like, oh, another blank movie. Mm-hmm. Go see it. If you like Star Wars, go see it. I don't think that you will be as disappointed as you've set yourself up to be. Well put. So that does it for this episode of that's entertaining lucas where can people find you um currently i'm downstairs in my basement recording a podcast (laughs) if you want more of that hilarious humor uh you can find me on twitter i I pretty much exclusively 
tweet these days. Facebook gets no love from me at uh, heavy metal underscore riff. And you can also find me on a little podcast that I do sometimes with my friend Jason. And we called that Flux Deposed. And uh, you can find that where podcasts are sold, I guess. And where you can find Flux Deposed is also where you can this, find this podcast, where you found this podcast, rather, because you've already found it. You're already listening. Congratulations. You won a podcast. Wow. So <laughs> uh, you can find this show anywhere you can get podcasts. We're on the Internet. Uh, at uh, on Twitter at Entertaining Pod, you can find me at Voiced by Nathan, and that's all I'll say about that. So again, Lucas, thank you for joining me this week or this month, rather. Yes, of course, it was great. Uh, good to be on a good to be on a podcast that talks about movies. I don't I don't get to do that enough. So thank you. Oh, anytime. And you, dear listener, we thank you for taking some time out and listening for this month. And as always, we hope that you have been entertained.